Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Do you know what? I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. You're looking horrified at me as though I'm about to give some great pre-ramble of some rant that I'm about to have or I'm about to read out my resignation letter after 32 years and walk out the door. That is not going to happen, I can assure you. And I don't have a rant. It's a funny phrase, isn't it? Do you know what? I couldn't care less. It's one I've heard several times recently. Supporters of eco-protesters have used the phrase to suggest that they couldn't care less about throwing soup at Van Gogh's protected sunflowers painting when the future of the real ones are in jeopardy because of climate change. Commuters equally have made it clear that they couldn't care less about protesters when all they want to do is go about their business. Others this week couldn't care less who leads the Conservative Party when all they want is actually a general election because it's become farcical. I couldn't care less. I wonder how many times you've used it in your life. I'm guessing a fair few times. Eli Wiesel, the Jewish author, philosopher, Nobel laureate and Holocaust survivor, is quoted as saying this... The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. 1 Thessalonians is a friendship letter. That's what it is. It's written between friends expressing their feelings and their commitments to each other. It is so far removed from the I couldn't care less attitude. In fact, as you read the letter, if you read it through from beginning to end, the overwhelming sense that Paul gives is, I couldn't care more. I couldn't care more. Having said a minute ago, how many times have you used the phrase, I couldn't care less? I wonder how many times you've ever used the phrase, I couldn't care more. I guess not so many. Paul's message in 1 Thessalonians is, I couldn't care more for you. We see Paul's intense feelings, and it gives us an indication of what Christian friendship is. Over the last few weeks, in our reflections on 1 Thessalonians, we've looked at Christian mission and being the church. We've considered last week Christian imitation, living and experiencing the presence of God in all things. Do you remember what I said? God is to be experienced, not talked about. We are to imitate him in everything that we do. Well, today, we're going to look at what Christian friendship is based upon this passage at the end of chapter 2 and through chapter 3. Last week, we explored how a key element of faith was experiencing the presence of God in all things that we do. 
And that surely includes developing a personal relationship with Christ. To most people, that is what faith is. It's developing a personal relationship with Christ. I read this interesting comment this week from Daniel Kirk. And he says this, New Testament depictions of our radical independence on one another can come as quite a shock. The Bible writers insist that our experience of God is so wedded to our experience of other followers of Jesus that, however personal our relationship may be, it could never be considered private or even individualistic. We depend on each other, even in our relationship to God, and even for our connection to Jesus. What he's saying is, actually faith isn't about a personal thing. It's not something that's just between you and God. We all have a part to play in each other's faith experience. That's what he's saying. And this section of Paul's letters of the Thessalonians, I believe, invites us to reflect on the sort of community that we're called to be. Not just in living out a certain way, but in our commitment to each other. And how does that commitment to each other affect our mission in the world? The passage begins there at verse 17 with Paul's longing to see the Thessalonians. Paul had not wanted to leave the city. He'd only been in Thessalonica a matter of weeks as you pick up from Acts chapter 17. The persecution that he faced in those few weeks forced him out under the cover of night. He had to leave in darkness. They, they, they actually said to him, you need to go. They didn't want him to go either, but they said, you need to go. And he uses this phrase, orphaned. We were orphaned from you, is how he describes it here in verse 17. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you. I think that's a significant word. It seems to emphasize that there's been an unnatural separation, that it was forcible, that it was painful. Try to imagine what it must have been like for those dissenters who were left be- or, uh, those people who were left behind in Thessalonica. What were the dissenters saying to them? Ah, Paul, he's left you. He's abandoned you. He's not coming back. He's chicken. Therefore, right at the outset, Paul tells the Thessalonians, "No, this isn't the case. I haven't abandoned you, and I, I'm not frightened to come back. I want to come back." I didn't want to go in the first place. I was forced out. I'd hoped it was only going to be for a short while. And so in these early verses, he's showing his desperate concern for them. And so Paul shows us the first quality of what I believe Christian friendship is. Concern. If we truly care for one another, we will want to be together to strengthen and encourage one another spiritually. Major Vic did some excellent uh, articles a few weeks ago in dispatches about the importance of us being together in our worship. Well, I think if we truly care for one another, we will want to be together to strengthen and encourage one another spiritually. 
we should have concern. I want you to just pause for a moment. I want to think about your, your friendships. I want you to think about your friendships. How do they f- equip you for being a follower of Jesus? The friendships that you have, how are they equipping you currently to be a follower of Jesus? And how are you equipping your friendship circle to be an effective follower of Jesus? What is the kind of support that we offer to one another in concern? Do we have a determination to even want to grow together? You know, sometimes friendship is not always easy. Sometimes it means having discussions and dialogue where the questions are a little bit more tricky. We do it out of concern. We don't do it to pick a fight, but we do have concern sometimes when we see friendships or things happening to our friends that aren't quite right. What are the questions we ask of one another? Are they edifying? Do they bring down? How are your friendships equipping you? And how are you equipping others? The first quality of being a Christian friend is to show concern. I believe Paul's concern was great. It's evident in this letter. He was desperate to go back to Thessalonica. But sadly, this had not been possible. It wasn't because he'd forgotten about them. It wasn't because they were out of sight and out of mind. They were never out of his thoughts. He says that. Nor was he frightened to return. He wasn't worried about that. He desperately wanted to come back. This is what he says in these opening verses. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, out of our intense longing, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But Satan blocked the way. He's at pains to show he was making repeated efforts to come back. But Satan blocked it. Now, we don't get any addition to this. We don't get any uh, emphasis or explanation of what the, that last little paragraph means. What Satan blocked his way. He doesn't expand on that. Perhaps there'd been more opposition. Perhaps it was a, a physical affliction. Perhaps he'd been ill. If you read other letters that Paul writes in the New Testament, you'll see that he talks about a thorn in the flesh. There was clearly something that bothered Paul throughout his apostleship. And we're not quite sure what that was. Whatever it was, he attributed this to having his pathway blocked. Something stopped Paul going back to Thessalonica. And for him... It was costly because he was desperate to be there. It was costly because he was desperate to be there. In his commentary on this passage, the great John Stott says this. This is what Paul does. He lays bare his heart of love for them. He had left them only with the greatest reluctance and had in fact been torn away from them against his will. 
He had then tried hard to visit them, but all his attempts had been thwarted. Waiting for news of them, he had found the suspense unbearable. And so, though great personal cost, he had sent Timothy to encourage them and find out how they were. There are two costs for Paul here. There are two costs for Paul. First of all, there was the unbearable suspense of not knowing how the Thessalonians were. I can imagine what that's about. I I have enough problem wondering what on earth my daughters are up to when they're doing things at school, especially now that I've discovered a 12-year-old who wants to go out with friends into town after school. As I said to you a few weeks ago, I have a habit of tracing her on Find Me app just so I know where she's walking around Sutton Goldfield. The suspense costs while she's out because I'd really like to know where she is. I dread to think what those of you who've got children at university must be going through. I dread to think of those of you who are much older, who've got adult children and grandchildren who live many miles away, must go through in not always knowing what they're up to. I can understand why this was a cost for Paul. The unbearable suspense of not knowing how they were. But in order to deal with this, he felt compelled to send Timothy to Thessalonica leaving himself alone in Athens. This was also a cost for Paul. He'd been alone in Athens before. It wasn't good. It didn't work out well. It had not been a good experience. So for him to say, I am willing to be left alone in this place in order to send Timothy to you, that was great cost for him. And so I think the second important quality of Christian friendship is this one. Cost. Christian friendship includes, involves, cost. Research has shown that our close friends are precious. I want you to think of your best friend. Think of your best friend just now. Our best friends bring out the best in us. They share the fun side of life with us. They're there to pick us up when things get down. But actually research tells us that our best friends are costly. I want you just in your head to work out how much, in monetary terms, your best friend costs you over a lifetime. Think about all those life events that you go to. Those birthday parties that they invite you to. Those weddings. And when their children come along, all the birthdays that you've got to provide for them. Think about all those things that cost you. Think about the loans that you've given them when they've been short. Think about the socializing you do with them. Ah, Do you fancy a night out at the pictures tonight? Yeah, all right. Yeah, that'll be good. If you add up, research tells us how much it costs just to have a best friend. Research tells us this. The average Brit spends a whopping £23,000 over their lifetime on their best friend and maintaining their friendship. Wow. Wow. But actually it's worth it. 
Life events, loans, socialising, travel, holidays, it all adds up. Yet that investment has a huge benefit on the quality of life that we lead. Friends, to see others strengthened and encouraged in their faith is costly. To see others strengthened and encouraged in their faith is costly. And I'm not talking about monetary cost. Paul never taught the Thessalonians whilst he was with them that they were going to encounter day after day miraculous happenings and everlasting joys as a result of their newfound faith. He taught them rather that as Christians they were destined for trials. They would need strengthening and encouraging And to strengthen and encourage others in their faith can be costly for us too. It's one thing having concern. It's another thing acting on that concern. J.R. Miller, the great uh, American uh, theologian, says this, to become another's friend in the true sense is to take the other into such close living fellowship that his life and ours are knit together as one. It's far more than a pleasant companionship in bright sunny hours. A genuine friendship is entirely unselfish. It seeks no benefit or good of its own. It does not love for what it may receive, but for what it may give. Friends, friendship is costly, but it's worth it. This was the case for Paul. Certainly was worth it for Paul. The cost was immaterial. And when Timothy returns with the good news that the Thessalonians are not just surviving, but they're going strong as faithful witnesses, Paul is over the moon. This is what he says in in chapter 3, verses 6 to 8. Timothy has just come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live. I wonder how many times you've said that to somebody in here. Friend, because of your faith and because of the joy I see in in your faith, because I'm your friend, I really live. The ongoing faith of the Thessalonian church becomes the source of Paul's joy. And these verses show us the strength and refreshment that good friendship brings. So I think the third part of a good good Christian friendship is this. It brings contentment and consolation. If we truly care for one another, we will strengthen and encourage one another spiritually when we are together. Who have you encouraged in this place spiritually this week? Who are you going to encourage? How will our friendship help us counter the pressures that we face? What sort of friendships do we need and what sort of friend do we need to be to others? Paul finishes the passage and with this I draw to a close. 
Paul finishes off this passage with a further sign of his total commitment to the Thessalonian Christians. Verse 10, he says this. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Night and day we pray earnestly. That is a commitment. Wow, that is a commitment. What he's actually saying is, my life is inextricably bound up in yours. I am deeply committed to you. And therefore the third and the fourth point, the fourth and final point for me about what Christian friendship is, is it involves commitment. Listen, I, I don't say that flippantly. For I realise that to be committed to someone is a big ask. And it's certainly not always possible to deliver on it well. Even though our friends let us down from time to time, and we no doubt do the same to them, they can and should remain our friends and partners in ministry. I read this in a book this week. Christian friendship acknowledges the reality of weakness, the possibility of failure, the likelihood of disappointment, and yet it still draws alongside others. I recognize me a lot in that. Paul tells the Thessalonians to continue to love one another and all the people there to bear witness to love in a city that's only ever shown them hate. And their longing to share themselves and befriend in the name of Jesus should not diminish. They are to be Christian friends. So in conclusion, what do we say about this letter? Well, for Paul... This letter shows he couldn't have cared more for the Thessalonians. It's a picture of what Christian friendship is and what it should involve. And to me, it invites us to reflect on the sort of community we're called to be, both in our commitment to living in a certain way and in our commitment to each other. Because this affects our mission in the world. And so our friendship comes from passionate concern. If we truly care for one another, we will want to be together to strengthen and encourage one another spiritually. To strengthen and encourage others in the faith is also costly. Though thankfully, there is a strength and a refreshment that good friendship brings in the form of contentment and consolation. Friends, our Christian friendship is a life inextricably bound up with another and that includes commitment in the same way that God in Christ showed his friendship to us by committing to us when we least deserved it so just one question for you this week don't know how you got on with the questions I asked you last week but it's a very simple one simple question to me too 
What kind of friend will you be this week? What kind of friend will you be this week? Let's sing together a lovely song that just gives us some time to reflect. Song 815 in our songbook. The words will appear on the screen. Help us to help each other, Lord, each other's cross to bear. Let each his friendly aid afford and feel his brother's care. And I love the second verse. Help us to build each other up. Our little stock improve. This is Christian faith, Christian friendship to me. Increase our faith, confirm our hope, and perfect us in love. What kind of friend are you going to be this week? We're going to sing together using the lovely little tune of My Shepherd. It means we have to sing the third line twice every time. But let's just sing it, and perhaps we can, as we reflect on it, and reflect on those three, four elements of Christian friendship, Concern, cost, contentment, commitment. May we just commit to to being a good friend to somebody this week. Thanks, Louise. thank you for the message of the Thessalonians not only has it taught us how we should do Christian mission not only does it encourage us to imitate Christ it shows us what Christian friendship is Lord it's very obvious that the Apostle Paul couldn't have cared more for those Christians in Thessalonica and from that example We just pray that in our friendship circles, we will do all that we can 
to be good Christian friends to each other. Lord, help us to show concern. Help us to truly care for each other that we want to be together, to strengthen and encourage one another spiritually. Lord, we recognize that this can cost. We recognize that to, to give to each other isn't without trials and tribulations. We recognize that we don't always do it well either. And so forgive us for our weaknesses and our failures and the disappointments that we have caused to others and that they have caused to us. But let us just come alongside each other knowing that there is strength and refreshment that good friendship brings. And so this morning, Lord, may our lives be inextricably bound up with each other's May we show the same kind of commitment to each other that you showed to us. So Lord, help us this week to be the kind of friend you want us to be. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.